0: This week on One Body, stewarding God's creation, Brenda DeLabel talks about her time working in Mother Teresa's missions in Calcutta, India.
1: One body. One body.
0: What were the conditions like in Calcutta? One
1: body. One body.
0: Did she see the face of Jesus and those she served?
1: One body.
0: Well, let's find out. Brenda is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger.
2: And we want to welcome in Brenda DeLable, grew up and currently lives in Beloit with her husband, Josh. After graduating from college uh, at uh, in 2015, Brenna took a life-changing trip to Calcutta, India, and volunteered with the Missionaries of Charity Sisters for over a year in the slums of Calcutta. While overseas, Brenna also got the experience of the canonization of Mother Teresa, and she's here to share her experience of living in Calcutta. And we'd like to welcome in Brenna DeLobel. Brenna, welcome this afternoon. Thank you for joining us and sharing your story with us today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to be here. <laughs>
2: well, let's uh, let's ju- just jump right in. First of all, Brenna, if you would, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, where you grew up and a little bit of your faith background, and, and then we'll kind of move on from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, I grew up in Beloy, um and I currently live in Beloy. Uh, a little bit of background, I have two siblings. My brother is actually, well, he received just a new name this past year. Um, He is uh, Brother Simeon, now in Conception, Missouri, and is on his way to, hopefully God willing, being a professed monk someday. And then my sister is a junior there at Fort Hayes in Hayes, Kansas. I've been a parishioner here at St. John the Baptist uh, my whole life. Um, After graduating from Beloit High, I then attended Fort Hayes for Four years, and um I got the privilege of having Father Fred <laughs> as a chaplain there, and um yeah, that just where kind of my faith just like really took off, and um I would say that's when I yeah, just really just started to develop um in that relationship with Jesus and growing there, but um a huge thanks to father Fred but um and of course, like Catholic disciples. And just a lot of, like, great opportunities with that. After Fort Hayes, I, well, I graduated from there in May 2015, and then I had the fortunate experience of spending that summer on staff for prayer and action for our diocese. So, yeah, served on prayer and action for that summer, and then um, right after that, well, I guess about a month later, that's when I headed off to India, so... Graduated in May, did prayer in action, and yeah, had about a month off to spend time with family, kind of say my final goodbyes and to do those last minute things, and off to India I went, which is, yeah, kind of crazy to think about now, but I got to arrive in India on Mother Teresa's birthday, August 26th, so that was my first day there. And at the time, well, when I originally left, I was thinking I was going to be there for nine months. That's what I had booked my flight for, and that's what I had arranged. Yeah, my stay there to be for. I ended up canceling that flight home, and I stayed for almost a year and a half, just a a little bit under, um, just because I loved it. Like I absolutely loved my experience, and I honestly, I, I just didn't want to come home. Um, but I did eventually come home after. Yeah, a year, and then the following year, I did go back to India for, I think, about six to seven weeks, and got to see the sisters again, and I got to spend Christmas with them again, too, and, of course, came back, so now I'm here in Beloit. I met my husband a few years ago at Prayer in Action. We were actually both sponsors uh, for, yeah, our high school groups and I married him last summer and yeah we're both living here and well now we're working from home so <laughs> yeah that's where we're at now
2: so all right so uh, you're working from home so what uh, if you don't mind sharing what do you both do Brenna
1: yeah so Josh is actually a civil engineer out of Ellsworth so he's actually used to working from home he works for Cook Michael there and so he can work Uh, from home part-time, and then drives to uh, Oldsworth part-time. But since all this started, he's been home full-time. So, yeah, not a lot has changed for him. I work uh, here in Beloit at our fitness center. It's called N C K Wellness Center. And uh, I do a variety of jobs there. I'm a little bit of um, HR and marketing, covering the front desk. Just because it's a small-town fitness center, you have to cover lots of different roles. So. All right. But yes, but now we're fortunate to still both have our jobs. But yeah, just working from home now, so.
2: All right, well, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how, you know, first off, I guess, how did God call you to go to Calcutta initially? Where did that prompting come from, and what what, what, what uh, was the call?
1: Yeah, just first off, like, God is so good. <laughs> um just, yeah, being able, I'm just yeah just being able to listen to him, yeah very good, but I grew up just really loving and being able to relate to Mother Teresa, just yeah reading as much as I could about her, um her quotes, and um especially like in high school, I just really enjoyed volunteering, and I kind of started to kind of feel like the outcast. And so I really just, like, was able to draw closer to her, yeah, and her love for Jesus and just serving others, and it just came naturally to her. And yeah, just learning more about her and just her simple living, yeah, that just grew my love and, and my relationship with her. So it was actually during my junior year of college, I started to think more about the future, you know, that's when a lot of students are starting to maybe apply for internships or jobs. And something about that just didn't feel quite right for me. I just knew there was like this burning desire to do something more than what everybody else was, just something more than a job. And I was also reflecting too, like on my years of college, like I was just very Comfortable in what I was doing. And I also was just like very busy. Like I was busy in that American lifestyle and living for myself. And I knew I just needed a change. I just wanted something different. And so, really taking all that to prayer, (laughs) um, I had again this desire uh, for doing like long term missions. And I had had it for a while, but of course, like, you kind of put it on the back burner because <laughs> you don't know what that's going to look like or um, how to make that happen. But um, yeah, again, like, addressing it, like, well, is this possible? Can I make this happen? And again, thinking about, like, Mother Teresa and how that was always a desire of mine to go to India, just kept praying about it more. And just, like, through prayer, like, I just knew that, like, there was this, kind of like tugging that kept happening and the thought of India kept coming back up during that time of prayer and after like really starting to give in and saying like yes to this like that desire just gave me a lot of peace (laughs) which I then thought I was like well this is crazy (laughs) you know who who does this yeah I go overseas for a long term I had never been to India and really like didn't know what I was Going to quite get myself into, but at the same time, like I just knew, like, that is what God was asking me. So, fortunately, I was able to reach out to Father Yonashaker. For those of you who don't know him, uh, he is from India. And at the time that year, he was a priest at Immaculate Heart of Mary in Hayes. And I had developed a little bit of a relationship with him before that, but I would say I didn't know him real well. So, It was kind of crazy, but I thought, I was like, well, I'm just going to reach out to Father. (laughs) Him being from India, maybe he could help me and uh, just see what his reaction would be, if, if he thought it was a good idea, if it would be safe and so forth. So I just asked Father one day if I could just come meet with him. And he was the first person I told like, of these desires and that I think I wanted to pursue that. And uh, Father just had the best reaction. And I just knew by his reaction, like, that is for sure, like, what I was supposed to do. So, um, Father Janashnikar was, like, just huge, like, in that progression towards going. And, like I said, his reaction. And then him being from India, he was able to just, like, call up the sisters over there and talk to them. And he got all this information for me of, like, places I could stay, yeah, transportation and so forth. And just, yeah, really helped make it all fall into place. And, yeah, then after that, yeah, I was able to find a place that I could stay for a long amount of time that served, like, long-term volunteers. I was able to make sure, like, my finances were in place, and um, I was just good to go. Of course, yeah, you have to do your packing and other details, but that's kind of how it all came to be.
2: Well, that's uh, quite the story. Well, you mentioned Father Shaker and I call him Father Joy. Because uh, <laughs> we, we had, I've had the opportunity to interview him here on Catholic Radio and just to, a priest that's so filled with joy and always has a smile on his face. And he's always oh, struck yeah. me that way. So that's a, obviously a great resource to have him when you're considering this. Well, let's talk about the first impressions you had. Obviously, I know that, uh, you know, where the sisters live, for example, and the first impressions of India, I'm sure where the sisters live is not the Taj Mahal. But share a little bit about uh, your impressions there.
1: Yeah, no, it's not the Taj Mahal at all. <laughs> but uh, so actually, as I was thinking about uh, this interview, I decided to pull up a few of my blogs or just some notes of what I wrote while I was in India for me to help um, have some better details. And I'm really glad I did because it was kind of fun looking through those, and it yeah just helped with some details to share. But um, and one of them it was when I first got there, and I had to travel about. 26 hours Um, by the time I left the Kansas City airport and arriving in Calcutta and I remember arriving in the evening and of course by that time with like the jet lag I was just exhausted but I remember arriving at the airport too and you're also very nervous and I'm picking up my bags and I remember looking up and it was just so awesome in this airport In India, my first time being there, there's this uh, billboard-sized picture of Mother Teresa. And I just knew, I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm at home. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, So I just thought that was kind of fun to share if any of you end up going to Calcutta. um, There's a huge picture of her in the airport there. But um, after picking up my bags, I then walked outside the airport and just immediately just – You have your extreme heat and humidity of the country there, of India. And that, yeah, I was going to say that was my first impression of just, yeah, the heat, humidity. And then as I'm driving into the city, it's just very overwhelming of the senses. The country is just, yeah, very, very (laughs) different than America. But I did have another volunteer who was able to pick me up, so that helped. And you do get into what they call taxis. Um, I wouldn't think of anything um, like an American taxi at all. But we had a hour-long drive uh, to the mother house, which um, is right next to where I would be staying. So during that time, uh, this volunteer is able to kind of like talk me through some things. And she was also from the U.S. as well, so that helps too. But I mean you start to see some of just like crazy sights and the smells in the country and um and that you know is when of course like i realized or when it hit like i'm going to be here uh, for 9 months <laughs> i hope i can do this um but uh india's kind of hard to understand um unless you've traveled there yourself um or to other uh poor countries uh, just cuz uh, the roads are very chaotic. There's no organization to them. So, uh, yeah, you just have people zigzagging all over the place. It's a very loud country with their horns um, or fireworks going off all the time. Lots of shouting. Uh, Yeah, just really emphasizing a very loud country. Um, They don't have any laws or regulations against, yeah, not having noise after a certain time. Also, just very relaxed in regards to, again, like those laws laws or rules. Um, Like you would see multiple people on a moped. Uh, They have traffic lights, but um, I mean, you just kind of walk across the street whenever you want. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it was just very much a major shock to my system and very overwhelming to the senses as well. And unfortunately, like To uh, where I was at, um, it was just very dirty. Just, yeah, sanitation is very poor. Uh, I guess also I just should throw this in there, too, that I'm just mainly talking about Calcutta, where I lived. Um, I'm not putting necessarily, like, or talking about India as a whole. So uh, there's other parts of India that are a little bit nicer, but where I was at, yeah, it was just very Sturdy and poor, which was kind of hard (laughs) because it was just, yeah, very gross at first to like really deal with and having to get used to that. And the pollution was very bad as well. Um, The smog there, you couldn't see the stars at night or anything like that. Or um, very rarely you could see a clear blue sky, something we definitely take for granted living here in the States. But Another difference between our countries is we don't realize how we're a very private country. We like to keep to ourselves. And India um, or Calcutta is the opposite. <laughs> they do everything on the street. So they would bathe on the street. Um, you get your hair cut on the street. Some people would go to the bathroom on the street. And uh, just, yeah, everything was out in the open, uh, which is another thing just to take in as well. As you're walking around, you just see animals everywhere. So you would see a cow crossing a busy street. (laughs) Um, You see animals just being butchered right there as you walk by on the sidewalk. Or those animals uh, hanging up in the shops outside in the heat. And so... Yeah, overall, like, the city, which is very different um, than what I was used to here. And keeping in mind, too, I grew up in a very small town, and I uh, went and lived in a large city for a while, too. But then looking at, like, first impression of the Missionaries of Charity, uh, it was just a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and they have homes that are very well kept and clean, um, so they are kind of opposite of like the culture and everything outside of their home but that's one thing they really strive for and the organization and routine of course like they're a convent they're an order so yeah they're they have that routine and uh, they very much like keep to it but i'm getting to know them too the sisters are just very beautiful and um, very simple women uh, who are willing to really give up all levels of comfort, and just very, very holy. They love Jesus um, so, so, so much, and it's just really a privilege um, getting to know them, spending any time you can with them. And then the last thing I would say, too, is their mother house, of course, is in Calcutta, and it's actually quite large. I guess maybe it would be about what I expected, but after comparing it to other Buildings in Calcutta. I would say it's like fairly good size, but you know also has to be. A, it's a home to I can't quite remember. I know at least over a hundred sisters. So yeah, it homes both um, sisters. It's also where Mother Teresa is buried. So lots of visitors are coming in. There's a museum there, of course, your main chapel where again visitors and volunteers can go to. Uh, they also have the room there where volunteers can meet, and so forth, and, uh, and a little grotto as well. So it's yeah, it's quite a large building, uh, but again, it's very well kept and clean. And yeah, they just really thrive off of their organization and routine, which is really nice for. Me being from America.
0: We need to take a short break right now, but whether you're listening via radio, computers, phone app, or Amazon Echo, please know. We'll be right back with more about working in Calcutta with Brenda DeLaval. One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. Working in Mother Teresa's missions
1: one body, one body.
0: with Brenda one body, studying God's creation. Ken Billinger conducts the interview.
2: Brenda DeLavelle is our guest this afternoon, and uh, she's sharing her her experience with working with Mother Teresa's ministries in uh, Calcutta, uh, India. Um, Renna, throughout the entire time you were in India, what were some of the most impactful experiences you had that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Well, I could say I had quite a few being there for a while, but I was just trying to think of some key ones. First off, just um, being there long-term or just serving as a long-term volunteer, I got a lot of special privileges when the sisters know that you're going to be there longer they can use you in different ways because they know they won't have that turnover and so forth. Um, or, of course, like you become more familiar with the homes and the sisters. And so, yeah. Again, I just had a very unique experience and was just very blessed throughout my experience because of those. But um, one of them being that I got to serve uh, in a clinic. Well, actually, a couple of different clinics there, and. Again, with me, I don't have, like, any background in nursing or anything medical, but uh, me being there long-term, they knew that they could train me uh, to do some of the basics or, yeah, what I'm able to cover in the clinic um, and still make an impact and help the sisters. So I would say just one thing that, like, really stuck with me, or this is kind of funny, but I ended up finding to love is just working through those clinics and the stories that happened. So a lot of times about daily, we would be removing dead skin from those who would come in and we would pick out live maggots. And that was yeah, something we did daily. But being with the sisters and of course like reflecting on Mother Teresa, I just always thought of like one of her quotes that I always with me is uh, doing small things with great love. So there we are, um, the great humidity um, of India, especially in the summer or the monsoon, and we're there picking out those maggots. And sometimes we'd be picking out hundreds in a day. But um, just really encountering um, Jesus and those people, uh, it was, yeah, a great blessing. I also would say, just being there. I really found a respect for life. They all often talked about uh, Mother Teresa would find uh, these people who were living like animals on the street, but they would end up dying like an angel in her care and just, um, yeah, her love and how she treated them. I also uh, got to hear many, many stories Uh, from the sisters who knew mother well. And uh, again, that's a huge privilege. Like that's not something you get to quite experience in a book or anything like that. Yeah. These sisters who were good friends with her, who went through some hard times with her. And I also got the privilege of meeting one of the sisters who was in the original group of when the sisters started. So Mother had to have so many girls at the time to start her order, and um, I, don't, I knew at the time there was only just a few who were still alive. and There was one who was still alive and living in India, and I got to meet her. And so, yeah, again, like just what a honor that was to meet this lady who, yeah, as a young girl, was a part of Mother's mission and said yes. To something crazy and radical, and she didn't know what she was getting herself into. I also just have lots of stories uh, from sisters there, too, like, and their witness to me. Another one being um, in the clinic, uh, there is a sister, her name is Sister Jean, and uh, we were talking to her about this wound of a man who, yeah, just had been very ill, and it was just so beautiful just without hesitation as she's wrapping his leg up, as she puts a miraculous metal within that bandage and keeps wrapping it and says, Only Mother Mary can heal him now and just keeps going on. Um so little stories like that like really made a impact on me being there. Of course, I also got to walk the streets of Calcutta, um, helping clothe and feed the homeless there. And um, just, yeah, meet them where they're at um, if they needed to be uh, taken to a home um, or just help with any medical needs, too. I also got to—we get to visit—you can't volunteer um, there—at the Leprosy Colony in Calcutta. So the Missionary of Charity Brothers run the Leprosy Colony. And, yeah, like I said, you can't volunteer there, but— Um, you can go visit and just kind of see what they do. And so, I was able to go there a few different times. I also would say being able to volunteer in a mother's first home uh, called the Kali It's the home for the dying and the destitute. And it's actually the home that uh, St. John Paul II visited when he went to Calcutta as well. So, Again, yeah, another privilege, yeah, to be able to, like, walk in her footsteps. And then the last thing I would say is there was one time I was near Mother's tomb. So, yeah, Mother's tomb is, yeah, within the mother house on the main floor. And I kind of have to explain it just to tell the story. But uh, her tomb is made out of marble. And it's you kind of have to imagine, like, a full-size bed. So um, it's long and flat and there was a woman who came in one day, and she had a handicapped child in her arms, you could tell, and she just looked very distressed, and she just laid her handicapped child, like maybe about two years old, on mother's tomb, and just started crying. And it was just such a beautiful moment, because you know, like, mother was alive. She would love to embrace that child. And um, the fact that that woman brought her child in uh, there to to be with mother. Yeah, just I have so many moments like that that I got to experience uh, or just watch too, just being there for so long. But yeah, overall, like the sisters, the missionaries of charity is what really like um, helped make that experience to be what it was, and just yeah, their witness and impact on my life.
2: run I guess one of the other questions I know English is spoken in India. I think Hindi might be the other language. But were there any language barriers at all that you ran into?
1: Oh yes. <laughs> so actually, um, India is very unique, and this—I hope I can explain this uh, the best I can. So how we have different states um, within the United States; their states, they all have a different language. So. Actually, in Calcutta, Bengali is the primary language spoken there, and then Hindi is kind of like the national language spoken. Mm -hmm. So that within itself was a huge barrier because I was trying to learn Juan, and I would find out that it just depends on people's level of education, that some of them would know Bengali and not Hindi or vice versa, and it also depended on uh, where they grew up. So... I just learned the basics (laughs) and was able to uh, get by. And thankfully, of course, the sisters there are able to speak it. Or I also had some friends who were locals there, too, who helped a lot, too. But uh, I was able to get by with, yeah, just the basics. If they talked really slow, I could understand them. But they talked so quick. I had a hard time. Sure. uh, yeah, it's also funny too because just our accents between the American and Indian culture, we, do, we just have a hard time understanding. So uh, they just with my American accent, I could say something very simple, and I thought I was speaking it clearly, but they they couldn't understand. So that was a little discouraging too. I was trying to learn the language, and uh, yeah, just my yeah American accent made it really hard for them to try and understand.
2: Right. Um, how are you able to encounter Jesus in the poorest of the poor? We hear that statement, but what does that mean to you after experiencing what you did in Calcutta, India?
1: Yeah, in many ways. <laughs> um, first, I'm just going to kind of explain just overall what volunteering kind of looks like, and then I'll kind of go into that But because um, I haven't done a good job of that. But um, in Calcutta, they do have different homes for those they do serve. So one being called shishu Bobbin, it's a home for like the newborns or toddlers. And then I just talked about a little bit earlier. Then um, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have God, um, which is the home for the dying and the destitute. And then in between, yeah, you just have different homes. Like we have a home for boys and then girls and so forth, um, middle-aged men and women. And so if you do go um, to Calcutta, the, that's where you normally do volunteer because um, they need lots of help in those homes. Um, of course, the sisters live there, and they're run by the sisters, but still uh, just to do the daily work to keep up. And that's what volunteers are great at helping with in, uh, yeah, just washing clothes, bathing the children, yeah, help feeding them, taking them to the bathroom, just those daily necessities. And, um, and then from there, um, again, my, my experience was unique in that I got to kind of do more beyond that, but I did start in a few different homes and I got to know the homes, uh, very well too. So I just wanted to kind of point that out there, but yeah, encountering Jesus in the poorest of the poor, I would definitely say like, uh, first it makes a big difference just serving and being alongside The sisters, just their impact. I would say, like going there as just a volunteer taking out the sisters. I don't know personally if I would have done the best at recognizing um, Jesus and those I served because it's it's very hard in the work that you're doing, and yeah, it's very humbling. And yeah, you just have to put aside your selfish ways, and um, the sisters really help you through that, like, in being able to address, like, those needs and, yeah, just really emphasizing, like, it's Jesus you're serving and not yourself. Um, so, like, being within and, like, receiving the sacraments within, um, that's, like, the foundation to even, like, volunteering there and, yeah, getting to encounter um, Jesus and the poor you work with. But, of course, like, throughout my time there, you're doing the corporal works of mercy, and you learn through prayer, again, like, through the help of the sisters and so forth, to meet Jesus, like, hidden and disguised behind the raw and broken bodies of the poor. So the poor, you have to see Him um, behind those with the bad breath, those sitting in the diarrhea or urine, the sweat. You have to look past the life, um, the thick dirt. Uh, You also have to be able to um, look past, like, yeah, those wounded limbs and rotting flesh, like I talked about earlier, that were crawling with the maggots or covered in flies. Uh, I also just really found Jesus in those uh, empty stairs, of those who have lost hope um, and those with those unresponsive faces of uh, the abandoned children um, who just or couldn't find a reason to smile. I also saw him in the experience I was uh, passing a piece of bread to look like a intoxicated homeless man and yeah who was very filthy he yeah, I was just sitting amongst trash, and immediately he broke that bread in half and gave it some to his friend right next to him. who was in the exact same condition, um, yeah, right next to him before he even thought to take a piece for himself. And so, yeah, just really encountering Jesus in those daily moments like that, which, yeah, were many. There was also another time we... We're pushing a patient who needed to go to a home, uh, to one of mother's homes in a wheelchair through the hectic and yeah, just hot and humid streets of India. And just, yeah, it was able to like comfort her and like just pray the divine mercy chaplet as we did it. Um, Just so yeah, finding dignity and prayer like throughout our days. Yeah, and the challenges that we were giving, too, because every day it looked so different. I just had an opportunity to see God in a way I had never before. Or, yeah, many times we would uh, be praying next to the bedside of those who, yeah, were very ill or dying, and, uh, yeah, just finding Jesus there as well. Last thing I would say is, Again, like I talked about, the the impact of the sisters on my life. But a lot of times when we would encounter these people, it was at first like really hard just, yeah, to embrace them because of your senses, like just the sight and smells was overwhelming. But many times I would see the sisters say to them, I love you and rejoice in the Lord that you exist. And um, that helped me because I knew, like, I got to look past all that. Yeah, encounter Jesus in them and love them and help them where they're at.
2: Of course, you, Brenna, uh, were able to attend the canonization of Mother Teresa, which is quite impressive. What was that like to be able to see her canonized while you were working with the sisters? Uh,
1: Too good to be true. (laughs) Um, It's still kind of hard to... uh, realized that I was there and um, just yeah there for the whole experience. So it's actually kind of funny because before going to India um, the thought had crossed my mind like because of course at the time she was a blessed when I uh, first went and I thought like what are the odds like that she would be declared a saint while I'm there and sure enough it happened. I mean it was beautiful so like I got to be there of course you know like before when they announced that she would be canonized uh, to experience the joy with the sisters then. Um, and of course, like I was there during the preparation of it and after. So, but I would say like, it was so, just so much more special. Like, of course, like being able to volunteer there, I got to know mother really well, like spending many, many hours next to her tomb, um, in prayer and through the stories, like I talked about from the sisters, and how they talked about her uh, being able to walk in her footsteps, it was just a true honor to, yeah, be able to experience all of that. But I also would say too, like the Missionaries of Charity, uh sisters, they just became my family while I was there because I was there long enough, and it was just a proud moment to see. Although there were prayers being answered, because up until that time, when I first arrived, they were, yeah, saying the prayer for her um, cause for canonization, and just you know really hoping it would happen, and yeah, I just um, yeah I got to see it happen, so it was just beautiful, yeah. So I did get to travel to Rome, and of course, yeah, I'd be there for her a canonization and. There were a few other volunteers, other volunteers as well, who got to be there, which, again, is just a really neat experience to share with them, too. But it was very overwhelming in many different ways. One being, I had been in India for over a year, and then um, I left, and I went to, yeah, Rome. Um, So just very, yeah, clean and beautiful country. So I was experiencing that, like, again, the overwhelming of the senses. And then I got to yeah be in Rome for the first time and uh, yeah see St. Peter's in the Vatican. And um, yeah, that was just the beginning of it. <laughs> um, while in Rome, we got to visit uh, the convent of the Missionaries of Charity there. And I got to see uh, where Mother's Room is there within the convent. And um, helps the sisters a little bit in just dis- uh, distributing tickets and just again getting ready for the canonization. But um, so this is fun uh, to tell people. But beforehand, I didn't know this. But while I was in Rome, the sisters gave another friend and I, uh, we both had volunteer tickets for the very front, like VIP section in Vatican Square. And so uh, not only did I get to go to Mother Teresa's canonization, but a long story of how it all worked out, but I ended up getting to sit in the second row of her canonization in Rome, wow. um, which was just incredible. <laughs> um, it was just true, truly like a glimpse of this heaven on earth um, and just yeah, the amount of joy and just really feeling like the presence of the communion of saints there. Yeah, and just celebrating just her being in heaven with him. Yeah, it was just really beautiful. It's honestly kind of hard to put words to it, but, yeah, it was just a very incredible experience. Wow.
2: Well, Brenna, we don't have much time left. We have about a minute or two here, and I just wanted to uh, wrap up. If you don't mind just sharing a little bit on how the sisters celebrated the canonization of Mother Teresa while we have about a minute or or two minutes left, if you can kind of give us a summary of that as well.
1: Yep, that's easy. The sisters are simple. (laughs) Um, So so the sisters just love to sing and celebrate with treats and decorations. So honestly, it was a lot of that. They hung up a large photo of uh, her from her canonization. And um, they made a little shrine in their chapel with the relic that was used at her canonization. And honestly, it was, yeah, it was just fairly simple. They did have a large gathering, um, in Calcutta in a stadium there, uh, just to celebrate with those in India who couldn't go for canonization. Cause, yeah, it was just very hard for them to go. But, yeah, I would just say overall very simple. I mean, a lot of like parties, but nothing like big or spectacular, but that's just how the sisters are. <laughs>
2: Right. Well, this has been fascinating. What an experience for you, and we're just uh, really grateful that you were able to come on and share this experience with us, and we appreciate it very much.
1: Yes, thank you. (laughs) All right.
0: Thanks for tuning in to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. If you're a business that can help support this One Body show, please know you'll receive three underwriting spots Per show, and the show runs five times a week. Plus, you'll be listed as a sponsor on the one-body page of Divine Mercy Radio's website. If interested, please call Donetta, 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Grape Bend, and very soon, KJDM 101.7 Salina and KMDG 105.7 in haze if today you hear his voice harden not your hearts One body, god's creation